When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. If I learned one thing in the last year, it's that falling into debt can happen to anyone. Luckily, I heard about the ISI, the Insolvency Service of Ireland. Their professional advisors can help you restructure or even write off your debt. The first thing they said to me was, every debt problem has a solution. I can still feel the relief. So if you're worried, visit their website backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode ooh, 160, is it, of the Blood and Mud.com podcast? Really? Well, yeah, that's the numbered not. ones. We've done other episodes like bonuses that don't have numbers, so we're probably more than that. But that is where we're at, yeah, because I have to count wow. them so I, I can, like, you know, put them in files and that. Anyway, this is the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that wants to prorogue Clive Woodward. I am <laughs> Lee, and over there is... I remain Josh, just about. Um, after, so, after four years, two Grand Slams, numerous false dawns, and two hundred what feels like 274 warm-up games... The yeah. Rugby World Cup is here, Josh, on Friday the it, 20th of September. I almost can't believe it, you know? It's like, it's we've been waiting for so long for this. There's been so much hype, and it's here. And it's I don't know you can hear how excited we are, can't you, ladies and gentlemen? You don't, I don't know if I'm ready for it, you know? Uh, this is our preview. It will be in two parts. Part one, looking at the pools, probably, is going to be now uh, published in this episode. And part two, which will walk you through what we think will be the knockout games later on, uh, will be next week. Um, and that'll be through to the final and predicted winner and all that kind of stuff. Mm. This will, of course, to be clear, be all completely wrong and no doubt full of curses for, for oh, numerous absolutely. Of teams. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we're going to have fun giving it a go. I mean, so both there you go. of a... Of... Yeah, both curses of a swearing kind and oh, yes. a sort of, yeah. And hexing. Yeah, a long absolutely. full of sweary curses and hexy curses. <laughs> the question is, Josh, are you excited at the prospects of a World Cup? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I am. But also it feels like it's been so long, like in the, 
the offing that I'm actually kind of a little bit tired. And it, almost sure it, it almost doesn't feel real, does it? I know. I, I'm sure that, like, once it's all settled down and once the, quant- the tournament starts, I'll be delighted. But at the moment, I'm just kind of... I'm in that sort of pre-tournament jitters point of view where I'm just kind of like, Ooh, what if it all goes horribly wrong? Well, you can hear how pumped he is, ladies and gentlemen, so, you know... Get ready, yeah. strap yourselves in for the next hour or so. Oh, yeah. As you can see, I am dripping with enthusiasm. If you want to get in touch with Josh and tell him to cheer up, how do people get in touch yeah, with yeah. Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shirt Watch, as per. And I am at Blood and Mud, or Lee, at bloodandmud.com. We are on Apple. We are on Acast. We are on anywhere where you can find all your podcasts, really. And most mm. importantly, we are on patreon.com slash bloodandmud, where of we course. have a number of people who support us. Far bigger number than we ever imagined would actually be the case. So thank you to all of you for that. It's a bit silly, really, isn't it? How many people are actually on there now? Yeah. We put out one of our uh, Patreon specials as a bit of a sort of bridge because this is going to be late this week. And a few more people have signed up after that. Obviously, listen to that. that. Want a bit more of it. Actually, gone, God, I'm not paying for this shit. They've actually decided that they will. So that's (laughs) nice. Not many of you, I'll be honest. Not many. But even so, even so. Um. And obviously, you can pay the $2 monthly Patreon subscription just as a thank you and to give us a bit yeah. of support, and that's lovely. Or some people choose to not just be in the Aled Brew Lounge giving support, they choose to go behind a velvet rope. And I'd like to thank these people in the past week or so who've done that. Thomas Thronica, Phil, and a special mention must go to Bruce McConaughey, a long and loyal patron who's long finally given into the temptations of the velvet rope. Decided to come on in. Honestly, thank you so very much. Because the only thing you get for giving a bit of extra support is just a bit of an actual name mention on here. Yeah, we give you a shout out, and we like you a bit more than we did before. So you know, you are one of our closest and truest friends now. Let's not forget that. And and we we momentarily stop being cynical twats for a minute and actually genuinely say thank you. Which I mean, might be worth the price of entry itself, depending on you know your mileage may vary. But I don't think so. But maybe um, <laughs> as I say this is in two parts part one's going to go live immediately and part two will be in the usual slot next Monday if you listen to this before then um, however yes. all of you patrons will get part two immediately as well should you because because we love you frankly yeah so you know you can have and, it yeah I was going to say stick that in your pipe and smoke it but that's <laughs> that, made that's it sound negative sentence. it's the wrong yeah, sentence exactly. Josh it should be so, you know, stick that into your cushion and gently sit on it and let it give you comfort. <laughs> there you go. How's about that? How does how does that fluff your pillow, eh? <laughs> now speaking of fluffing pillows, we cannot we cannot go on, can we, really, without talking about the oh possibility of renting out James Haskell's house on Airbnb, which is which I mean brought itself forward. Every, everyone who suggested that we should do this and do a podcast from James Haskell's house. Um are incredibly correct. I mean, and also, it's it's two it's four hundred quid for two nights, right? Which would mean we'd have to stay there for two nights, which would weird me the fuck out. But more importantly, like all that four hundred quid's going to charity, so you know. Yeah, which I suppose is not bad. But have you ever seen a house with less personality in your entire life? My God, it is like the most beige beige house of a... it is literally I, I... beige literally beige yeah, yeah. You, you've you've been to my house you know that i i my my decorating style is 
white walls, uh, neutral carpets, and yeah, you know, minimal well, minimal splashes of colour. Yeah, but no, I I went to your house after you just moved in and hadn't decorated. So oh fuck so, it. So didn't as you? far as I'm concerned, your style is eighties dado rails, orange woodwork, <laughs> and and uh, pretend yes. beams. Yes, all of those good things. But you've redecorated yeah, yeah. now, and you've yeah, nicely modern. Painted everything white. However, I paint things white so I could do things like put nice pictures on the wall and have nice splashes of colour of furniture. James just seems to put like his, some of that bed linen was just like straight out of your nan's house. Yeah, or block colour. I only deal mm. in block colours, says James. Yes. <laughs> what I honestly think is that. Like, because it said you'll have access to most rooms in the house. I reckon that he's, like, put a lock on their bedroom and... The BDSM dungeon. And the BDSM dungeon, yeah. Which he quite um, blatantly because, has. Yeah, there's some, there's some kinky there's shit going, going on there, there. blatantly. Um, but because there was two... Like, that house, that massive, you know, characterless new-build home that he lives in is clearly more than two bedrooms. Yeah, there's only two bedrooms available. Yes. What's he hide? What are you hiding? <laughs> Basically, James doesn't want the likes of me and thee sleeping in his marital bed. Oh. And frankly, neither do I. It's, so <laughs> it's clear. Thing is though, some imagine the weirdos that are gonna want to do it. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Yeah, well I mean it was this this happened at the last Rugby World Cup as well, I seem to remember, but it made more sense last time around. Because last time, like, various ex-pros, like, put their houses on Airbnb. Because I think that, like, Ben Kay and oh, maybe okay. Lewis Moody. But that was when it was in England. And so it was like, you know, come and watch the yes. Rugby World Cup in England and stay in an England rugby player's house while you're here. And again, it was all for a good cause. I mean, this is basically him saying, I'm going to Japan for a couple of weeks. Do you mind minding the Can we mind the house, please? It's weird. Anyway. Anyway. But obviously the thing is, obviously his personality is so enormous, he has no banter left to put into the paint and the wallpaper. No. I mean, and the only, you know, it said that it was full of memorabilia. The only memorabilia that appears to be on the walls are photos of himself playing rugby or just, they're actually not even playing rugby. Like one of them was a kit launch photo from a couple of years ago. And then the rest of them just seem to be like headshots from the team photo every year. It's weird, man. Anyway, we won't be taking it up because you can guarantee that his letting agency will be vetting the fuck out of people <laughs> apply. And, he's, and imagine we're on a fucking persona non grata list. Uh, I would Especially imagine. me. Probably. So, uh, anyone he's blocked on Twitter uh, probably doesn't get to stay there. No. Although, right can you imagine blocking his toilet? <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? Kicking the bathroom in, Vivian from the Young Ones style. <laughs> I've destroyed the bathroom, lads, but it's your house, Vivian. Yeah, it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so will we start now before we get onto the pools and stuff with a player spotted because we might as well do that, even though it's a special episode. Indeed, uh, Evan I Quinn. Actually, I actually spotted several players today, but carry on. Okay, we'll come back to that. Evan yeah, yeah. Quick DMs. Mm. He says, "A few years back, I went to Legoland with right. the family, and going into the queue for the Sky Rider, somebody, someone accidentally bumped into me and immediately apologised. That was nice, wasn't it?" He said, on second look at the offending gentleman, it turned out to be none other than Northampton and England fullback Ben Foden. Yeah. He wasn't with his wife on the Saturdays before you ask. He's not now either, is <laughs> uh, well, he? he's absolutely eh? not, yeah. The cheeky chappy that he is. 
Uh, yeah, so there you go, Ben Foden in Legoland. Have you? You probably wow. have you been to Legoland, Josh? You're a theme park man, but I'm sure that's too young for you. I went to Legoland when it very first opened on a school trip, and well, I didn't of course, think much of it. When you were a child, you may have gone because it was reachable. Yeah, from where you were. we took our yeah, kids, yeah. and it was oh, it was. It's like the queues are just as long as Alton Towers, but the rides are infinitely more shit. I don't even remember there being rides when I went there. It was just like lots of things. Re- and I really liked Lego. So I was pleased to see like London replicated in Lego. It was very impressive. But it wasn't exactly a laugh a minute, you know? And then the there were two lanes closed on the North Circular on the way back, trying to get back to my mother-in-law's house in northwest London. And it took us three and a half hours to get back from Windsor to northwest London, which is not very far. So you can imagine the mood I was in. Having just I, spent a lot of money. I mean, I'm sure you were an absolute delight. Do you want a fast pass? No, I fucking don't. I don't want to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I actually had two independent player spotted. This, why, uh, why? What have you been doing and where have you been to see? Actually, technically, I, technically, I saw three players in, on two occasions. Right. Uh, on Saturday night, uh, I was... Out in Cardiff with well, you were uh, some in pitch, of my old. Weren't you in Cardiff? I was in Pitch Bar and Eatery, uh, the Paul Williams staple. Yes. And uh, I, I looked up from my uh, from my tasty beer, and who should I see uh, sitting a couple of tables away? Was none other than friend of the pod, Jason Tovey. Really. Uh, and indeed, uh, who was uh, enjoying a few uh, beers, and then. Slightly fruity-looking cocktails with uh, Dragon's back row of Lewis Evans. Did you go so. over and say, I sort of interviewed you, but I didn't really, but I'm part of something that did? In like a really cool <laughs> like that. Uh, no, I didn't, although he was... like We were outside in the beer garden, right? Or in the, the whatever you call the a terrace out the front these days. And he and Lewis Evans were, could have sat anywhere in this beer garden because there were quite a few spaces, but instead they sat at the bit of the beer garden that was closest to people passing and as such whether intentionally or otherwise uh tovey in particular did get quite a few people uh coming over and saying things to him which is to be fair to him he treated with uh fine humor uh and and tolerated one bloke talking to him for at least 15 minutes which (laughs) I'll be honest. See, I, think you should, I, I think you should take it to the line more, Jason. You know, I think you're standing back too much. You should be passing longer, and other. It's all that, isn't it? Like, yeah, all right, mate. It was basically it was it was mega that I was sort of watching it from about six feet away and just going, oh god. <laughs> um, and it was yes, the third one. And then on Monday night, uh, in I was in London and I was um, walking through uh, Soho as you do in on the, the way to trying to find a place called Lee Ho Fox, trying to get a big problem <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly that, actually, uh, it, although it wasn't raining. Um, and I saw in quick succession um, Matt Berry. The actor. Uh, the actor slash comedian. Hmm. Um, then I saw Felix White of playing music and also being into cricket on BBC Five Live. Uh, and then to top it all off, I saw Matt Dawson, um, who's tiny. Like, I know he's a scrum off. Yeah, and he's but not been he was, well, has he, since he retired either, so he's, he's very thin, isn't he, as well? Yeah, he is. But uh, that's momentarily made me feel quite bad about that. Slightly abusive Facebook group I set up in, in about 2004. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, literally in a five-minute space, Matt Berry, Felix White from... Uh, I think he's from the Maccabees? I don't maybe? know who he is, and I'm not interested either. Yeah. Wouldn't speak to him if I did. Uh, so, anyway, no. uh, that's player spotted. 
we want you to send in your play spotters either to the DMs or Lee at Maybe you know, do we want you to you know spare no mundane detail? Yeah. I, mean, I look know. how mundane look how mundane mine were. Yeah. I mean, I mean you know, maybe you've it. seen, I don't know, Perry Freshwater struggling with the pound in the trolley at As you would, at Aldi fair. or something, you know. Yeah. And just, just let us know. Let they us haven't know. they haven't had the new pound thing put in yet, so they'll only take old pounds. Yeah, and then some of them take Both euros and some that. of them don't. That's very frustrating. Uh-huh. I used to carry a euro coin in my pocket at all times. Euro, because a man like me always has a euro coin for trolleys and a plectrum in my pocket at all times, because you never know, Literally, do you? You never know. You never know when you're going to need either. Yeah, however, the plectrum, nor the ple- neither the plectrum nor the euro coin works in the trolleys <laughs> at Sainsbury's in Flint, and there's a very strongly worded email going to them as soon as this podcast is over. Anyway... Uh, shall we talk nobody about ever this? Used, nobody ever uses this podcast to grind axes and personal Settle scores. Of yes. No. Uh, yes. Let's talk about the Rugby World Cup, shall we? Yeah. So we got the. What we're going to do is just to make sense is go through the pools, talk about some of the teams, look at the, some of the, the key games, try and decide who's going to win the pool or come second, and then walk <laughs> the tournament through into the quarters, into the semis, and decide a winner and maybe the third place if we can be asked. But well, that's yeah. what we're going to do. So we will come up with who we think is going to win this World Cup based on how we, we think will. the games are going to go and so on and so forth. If it's a pool where it looks like a lot of games might be won and lost and it gets on points difference, I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll, you know, you know us, we're always well organised. We'll have this well sorted out. <coughs> um, no, and indeed, let's face it, pool games that might get called off by fucking some sort of horrendous typhoon thing, which is something else to talk about. Do you know what happens if a game gets called off because of a typhoon, a group game? I bet the ladies and gentlemen don't. I mean, I know, obviously, but why don't you tell the ladies and gentlemen? Um, I don't the know. game, The game is postponed uh, and awarded as a nil-nil draw, which could have fucking mega implications. And how likely? That... I'm going to get my BBC web well, it's, app now. It's what ty- percentage it's likelihood is typhooning-ness going to happen? It's typhooning at the moment. England got stuck in the airport for five hours did, because they? it was typhooning when they arrived. I'm not sure typhooning is the correct term, by the way, but I'm going to run to with typhoon it. is my favourite verb. <laughs> um, but yeah, unlike all other World Cups, um, there is a genuine threat of some mega weather disrupting the tournament in a in a fairly significant way. So imagine if like a, a game against a big team against a minnow you know, a New Zealand Namibia or something gets called off because of a typhoon and it's a nil-nil draw. Mm. Huge, huge implications. Um, the Guardian nearly gave me New Zealand Namibia, but I'm away, so I couldn't do it. Uh, so I'm actually quite glad because I've got South African Namibia, go. Namibia and that would be quite enough of copy and pasting try every 90 seconds. Quite, <laughs> thanks very much. I mean, you'll just get very tired fingers. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give away the secrets of, of, of minute-by-minute online journalism, but, you know, copy and pasting try is uh, one of the things you do have to do. So, <laughs> uh, Right, so... Behind the curtains, yeah. I actually put a question out to Twitter before we came on saying, do you remember Ayumu Goromaru? Yes, fullback, yes, I obviously, do. Who had a? He was probably in with a shout for the team of the tournament in 2015. Did he? Yeah, he I was think really he got, good. He, did he get in the official one? I think he may have done. And he had he a got fun, a move to Toulon out of it. And yeah, and um, the Queensland Reds, and didn't play yes. much. And everyone said. Uh, so what my question was, who do you think might be this tournament? So Yuma Goromaru, because he was going to like do a bit like in football, you know, good tournament shit signing sort of thing. Mm. Tom Gorman did point out that's a bit unfair because he was probably just signed as a kind of marketing ploy 
but a number of yes. people, you know, we didn't say much about is they never intended to play him. It didn't mean he was a bad player. They didn't sign him to play him, which I don't think is true because he was genuinely good in that World Cup. But anyway, mm. just before we get into the pools, then who do we think might happen, might do it? Well, Reese Not gets in touch. He's always good with the niche uh, knowledge, and he said. Yeah. In someone, in terms of someone I, who could look absolutely sensational in a few games and fade into obscurity, it could be Luke J- Jacobson because New Zealand gets to torment Italy, Namibia, Canada before their quarterfinal. So actually, Luke mm-hmm. Jacobson could be, he's a flanker though, but he could be sort of this tournament's Mark Ellis. Do you remember Mark Ellis? Who oh, I do remember Mark scored Ellis. Scored yes. shitloads against Japan that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could happen. Let's not, I, I think if you want to have somebody that's like, Gonna stand out from the the crowd, then, and they've got to be from a weird, not a weird, but like a non-traditional nation. Yeah, it's a, it's a nation, tier two breakthrough, isn't it? Who then gets a big move to a club, yeah, that sort of thing. I reckon it could be um, the uh, Georgian scrum off. What's his name? Um, oh, the lad who was oh, seventeen uh, in twenty fifteen. Yes, and who's now twenty two. Uh, Lobzhanidze. Lobzhanidze. I don't know if I'm saying that. Yeah. Correctly, um, he was. Ambi- yes. He has been handy, hasn't he? Yeah, he could. This could. He's, be and he's playing for Breve at the moment, who are now in the top fourteen. Mm. So if he has a good tournament, he's shot windowing himself in a big way. That's another verb. That's not really a verb, but I like it. Shop, shop, shop I'm just going to verb everything today. <laughs> Reese also said he's quite looking forward to seeing USA's Ben Pinkelman. Um, just enjoying that name. Yeah, because uh, he's an open side and he's got 32 sevens tournaments under his belt and in that slightly open Hello. group, that could that could go quite well. Yeah. Patrick suggested Aaron Wainwright, although I think I think he's his... Well, I don't, I don't think he's... It. I think his promise will continue. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Mm. Uh, what else did we get? Uh, George, a lot of Scottish people suggesting George Horn. Right. Who I mean, could again, break through in this tournament and then, you know, fade away very quickly. Potentially, yeah. But he's sort of already there, isn't he? Like, he's kind of broken through in a way. Not everybody is, in, is into it, admittedly. But, uh, yeah. No, so the answer is we don't know. But I think that's a good shout, no. the younger Georgian scrum half, actually. He'll get a move to yeah. Toulon and then it'll all go terribly wrong. Yeah. Well, it's unlikely to be anybody from, you know, well, do you know who I'd like to break through in this tournament um, and put an absolute marker down? Alan Wynne-Jones. Namibia's Leslie Klim, um, who signed for the Ospreys like two years ago, or maybe 18 months ago now, um, and he has not played a single game for us because he has been... He's had a, like He basically turned up with a bad hamstring injury that he got on duty with Namibia. And for the entirety of last season, he was out with it, except for playing a couple of games for Neath at the end of the year. He's 24. He's a centre winger. He was supposed to. He used to play for Doncaster, and was very good in the championship. And I just like to see him storm it up, and then come back to the Ospreys and solve our problematic centre wing issues. We better do something. Is their captain and most experienced player has not been selected, and is uh, yeah. then immediately retired? That doesn't seem suspicious at all anyway so shall we go pool by pool and try and pick out some of the kind of uh... yes pool A so I mean it makes sense to start start with pool A doesn't it yeah and it's probably one of the most exciting pools I think remind the listeners what the composition of pool A is Josh (laughs) the composition of pool A is Ireland Scotland Japan Russia and Samoa 
Yes. It's a lot of fun to be had there. Between Samoa, Scotland uh, and Japan, there is an awful lot of potential ballerism, as I would yes. decide to call things this evening. Um, <laughs> and in Russia, there's a potential for everyone to score 100. Yeah, they so... are the perfect, perfect <laughs> opponents for, a, for, for baller teams, aren't they? Oh my God! They're gonna. I I dread. I wouldn't be surprised if their point difference points difference is close to five hundred in the negatives. It could be, couldn't it? Poor Lynn. It could be. They got absolutely battered by Zebra a couple of weeks ago, and they got and they got battered by the Kings, as in the Southern Kings. It's like <laughs> this is Test Not Rugby, Los lads. Angeles Kings. Yeah. No, <laughs> this ain't gonna go well for you. Yeah. So. The opening game of the World Cup is in this pool, obviously, because Japan are playing Russia yes. in the in quite possible. Well, I, I say it could be an underwhelming game because there's, there's not much, but it could be very whelming if you like, because like you say, Japan could just do do what Japan do, yeah, and give us I a bit of an exhibition. It, it could look a bit like the like Globetrotters versus been, the Washington Generals, though, couldn't it? This has definitely been scheduled to give the hosts a win. <laughs> Let's be honest. And I kind of wish they'd... I understand that, but I kind of wish that they'd done it with like Samoa or something because Japan-Samoa feels more like the opening game of a Rugby World Cup than Japan-Russia does, you know? Yeah, that's kicking off at 11.45am our time. I mean, great. <laughs> I will have just landed back from my trip to America. So I oh, won't yes. actually be able to watch it on the... Well, I won't be able to watch it on the train, will I? Fuck am I kidding? But... uh I could try. You've got, you've got 3G. Well, train Wi-Fi is re- notoriously reliable. I'm not exactly. sure what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's on the Friday on in Pool A. Uh, we'll get into yes. other stuff later on. But so then you've got, and then you've got on the Sunday, which is is Ireland versus Scotland. So let's try and break mm. down. I suppose how do we think Ireland and Scotland are going to fare? I did Ireland's last warm-up game mm-hmm. at the weekend. Was it the weekend? It was the weekend. It was like a long time ago now. It looked like they found themselves again. They looked a little bit more like that team we knew, didn't they? I mean, again, warm-up games, who can really tell? But like certainly in the second half, they looked more like the island of old. And We'll come on to Wales later, but as soon Mm. as some pressure was applied to Wales, it looked very, very worrying. But again, warm-up game caveat, I know that. Again, they they felt like a lot of players not so much making business decisions as just thinking, just got to get through this, just got to get through this, just got to get through this. Don't yeah. care if he runs at me, I'm not going to tackle him. Reese Patchell um, just about got through it, didn't he? But we're going to talk about mm-hmm. Wales in the last group. Um, <laughs> Lovely keyboard player, by the way. Isn't he? Yeah, we saw on that, 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 mm-hmm. little, that, that choir video, which is very naff, but lovely. Yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm it was very nice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I think Ireland are going to win this group um, quite handily. Would you like to know some odds? Let's do some odds. So the dual forecast uh, with Paddy Power for Pool A, um, Ireland and Scotland winning it is um, one to four. While Ireland and Scotland qualifying is one to four. Ireland and Japan is ten to three. Uh, Scotland and Japan is twenty to one. Ireland and Samoa is sixty to one. Ireland and Russia is five hundred to one. Um, basically, in every other combination is five hundred to one. So the bookies are very convinced that uh, it's going to be Ireland Scotland 
or maybe Ireland, Japan at a push. That's the interesting thing about this, isn't it? I do think the England group aside, and even that's not the same, it's quite obvious who's going through, but we'll we'll come on to that, you know, again, unless there's some complete <laughs> curveballs thrown in. But even, we'll see. Yeah, but even Japan last time mm. with that amazing win, that, that film's out this week, isn't it? The Brighton Miracle it this is. week. It is, I can't, yeah. is it a documentary or a film or is it like a docudrama thing? It's a film. Him who played um, Jango Fett in Star Wars yeah, and no, was he's also playing Short and Sweet is it was playing like, Eddie. It's one of those ones where they have like drama inserted into documentary well, footage. Oh, okay. So they've got like, so basically they've they've inserted what Eddie Jones has told them he did behind the scenes where he looks <laughs> and really it was all amazing. Yeah, it's all amazing. Um, and they've got Tamara Morrison to play it. Uh, okay. Well, I'm definitely not going to watch it. Um, yeah, bizarre. Anyway, it sounds awful. Um, so, it, yeah, but even when Japan won that game, they still got you know South Africa still got to the semi final. And Japan was, went out in the group stages. Yeah, it's like what? Even if say Japan beat Scotland, I still don't think like if Japan beat Scotland or beat Ireland, which I don't think is likely. It's not going to happen. But no, no. I mean, I think South for all the goodness that Japan have looked in their warm ups, um, they came up against South Africa on the weekend. And that was something of a reality check for everyone, I think, because South Africa just absolutely fucking rinsed them. And I just think any tier one team is going to look at their the pretty lovely rugby that they play and just go, yeah, we'll kick the fucking leather off it, lads. And we'll just <laughs> basically put them under so much pressure that they concede loads of points. And I fear, I fear that's what's going to happen when they come up against a big team, particularly Ireland, but also Scotland. Yeah, Ireland seemed to find quite a bit of power in that second half versus Wales. Um, and once they got the line out, actually fucking working again. But I can't see that being a problem no. ongoing. It was just one of those things, wasn't it? Um, it's a lot of talk, interestingly, with Ireland about whether Gary Ringrose is still the first, first choice 13. 13 and whether they should be Aki and Henshaw to reunite the you know the Connacht league winning centre partnership I mean, don't forget yeah it's not to be argued about is it it'd be, it'd be quite the thing is Schmidt's not big on doing big shifts is he apart from the Devin Toner no. thing but I, I, do, think that, I do think that that Devin Toner thing was only because Ireland have got you know better locks than him now you know and, and he's also a bit knowing old. Joe Schmidt he, that was probably his plan six months out yeah, you know, I just, he, well, he was, I'll just wait till he qualifies and he's going in. But obviously, he's not going mm, to come out and say that. No. So I and think if, if it was going to be an Aki Henshaw midfield pairing, we'd have seen it a bit more obviously when yeah. Rose was fit. And I don't yeah, think that's I the agree. case. No, it's interesting, isn't it? I think that we've got a pretty like I, I, I with love and respect to Scotland. I don't think if Ireland can play like they did in the second half on. Saturday, you know, they won't find it as easy against a team that's actually in World Cup mode that's of tier one level, but I still think they'll be pretty hard to beat. I also, particularly for a team like Scotland. I think the worrying thing for Scotland as well is that they've got Ireland first. Mm. And I think Ireland are going to win that. But I don't think it, it would be, it's going to be worrying for Scotland if, it's, if it doesn't go well. 
And I don't mean I don't mean by not winning. I mean, but you know, if it ends up being a bit of a physical mauling, <clears throat> yeah, can happen so to them at times. Because and they also, are underpowered, Scotland. And I mean, that's just the truth yeah. of it. You know, I mean, they've and got some power, forget, but they're underpowered. And let's not forget that you know Scotland's World Cup injury curse is a is a thing. You know, they're already struggling with injuries. If they get a bit of a physical going over, even if they could squeak out a win, you know, if they get physically done in by that island pack and that massive set of island backs, the World Cup could come off the rails quite quickly if they lose a couple of key players. I, don't, I really hope that doesn't happen. Mm. But it's certainly it's certainly an encounter. I was, If I was Scotland, I'd be looking at that island game and going, you know what, we could lose this. As long as everybody stays fit, all we got to do is beat Russia, Japan and Samoa and we'll still go through. Yeah, somebody and, asked me a question on Twitter. Twitter said you think there's a real worry that Scotland might um, lose lose more <laughs> games than the USA was the question. I was like, no, no, that's not going to happen. I don't think. Even if no, even if you might think, oh, it's it might be slightly worrying about against Japan, which I don't think it is. To be honest, it's not. No, I think Japan's ability to score from anywhere, which they absolutely have, has been amplified by the fact that they play regularly against teams that can't defend for fucking toffee. And I would I would bet on Scotland scoring from anywhere more than I would Japan scoring from anywhere when it comes to it. Hmm. A full-strength team against a full-strength team. So I think it's fairly obvious that Ireland and Scotland are going to go through from this group, from, from my point of view. <laughs> I think yes. Scotland... Yeah, Scotland made a bit underpowered. Ireland looked like they were coming towards where they'd want to be. I covered that game on Saturday, actually, and, and they did look in the second half. The weird thing is Wales in the first half looked like they they were where they'd like to be. I think that's pr- that's why I was... And, I and then Ireland like... looked like it in the second half, so I think I can see what yeah. you're saying, but we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. But Yeah. Ireland... I think Ireland have obviously been better over the last two games than they were against England, proof if it were ever needed that warm-up games don't mean that much because mm. everybody's in a different place. And Ireland were just clearly not in a place where they really should have been playing rugby when they played England a couple of weeks ago. Or three weeks ago, however long it was, you know. And I think they're they're much back to their old selves now. And it's, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to win the attractiveness stakes in terms of the rugby that they play, but fuck me, it's effective. You know? I'm I'm happy for Scotland. I'm happy for Duncan Taylor personally that he's back. Yes. I think for Scotland, it's quite a boost for Scotland that actually. I think that, because I do yeah, think, a... I get the feeling that the first choice centre pair is going to be Johnson and Duncan Taylor. It is. It is I mean, it's, it's we've already kind of discussed this on other podcasts, but, you know, not having, you know, him leaving so many of those centres at home. Mm. You know, Hugh Jones being the most notable one, it's sort of yeah. It, it kind of makes it it pretty clear that when you know the only centres you've got are Harris, Horn, Johnson, and Taylor. Like of the two there, Taylor and Johnson are probably the the ones that you'd want. Although Chris Harris played quite well, to be fair. So I think you're looking at a backline of Hawk, <clears throat> Seymour, Darcy Graham, Taylor, mm. um, Johnson, Russell, Laidlaw. Mm. I mean, anybody would be happy with that, wouldn't they? It's a good, very good. Really would line, be happy you know? with that, and then you you get into the pack, which again is fine. The mesh, obviously, 
mm-hmm. Wilson, WP now. McAnally's a decent player. It's just that it's just that carrying in it. They don't have that carrying to either get them forward and also well, crucially to get them out of trouble. Yeah, well, nobody. You look at the back row options and you just think like nobody, uh, with the exception of maybe Johnny Gray. And ob- you know, obviously the Mish, but like, hmm. if you're on the back foot, none of the players that they've got can really. You honestly just think in a sort of Billy Vunipola, yes, in a, you know, even in a Ross Moriarty kind of way, you just go give him the fucking ball, and he'll just smash it up, hmm. and he'll probably get you out of some semblance of trouble there. It's that having that sort of default carrying option in the back row. I just don't think they have. And it's also in, it's underrated how valuable it is going forward as well. People always say it's like, it's like you're out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Remember for years, New Zealand just whenever they were in the shit, gave the ball to Frank Bunce. Yeah, and he would just carry yeah. and hold onto the ball for he'd stay up for about five seconds longer than he should have done. Mm. It didn't seem like long. <laughs> it allows it everybody else to get. Yeah, set. I know he was yeah. a back, but you know what I mean. There's something about that that they don't, and the Mish can do it a bit, but I just thought that there's. there's I the think they, you need there. it somewhere, and they don't really have any back line options that carry hard either you know yeah, they're all brilliant players solidly, taylor's yeah, sort of yeah. the taylor's kind of the only and that's kind of why he's going to be so important i think anyway so that's that's scotland ireland see you know it's easy to forget that ireland because it's been so moribund oh, for yeah yeah the thing with ireland when they're playing well the way that we know they can play do you know that saying where they say um you don't notice that you're being boiled alive when the water heats up around you slowly Mm. that's basically how I see Ireland at their best. When they played at their best, that's yeah, what they yeah. do. They heat up around you slowly until you realise, oh, fucking hell, I'm not in this game at all and I can't get anywhere. You know, they kind of suffocate you, don't they? Yeah, that's basically what they did in the second half, you know. Mm. They never totally dominated that game, but by the end of the game, Wales just looked a little bit, you know, like they were bored, you know, fed up of it and they weren't really up for it anymore. Yeah, they were demoralised. Like, yeah, it was just, yeah. yeah, I think they were just like, oh, And they had no sake. fucking ball. They spent half an hour with that no. ball. Yeah, exactly. And they all they did was tackle and whenever they had the ball, they just, you know, usually ran into a green wall and you could just see, particularly by about 60, 65 minutes, they were just like, Pfft. Can we get on the plane now? 50 yeah. minutes of the World Cup, lads, can we fuck off? And that is absolutely a thing that, Ireland can use to their advantage massively in this tournament. It's just that ability to strangle the life out of teams in the second half. The, Particularly um, when the pool that they've got is going to be throwing it around left, right and centre. Hmm. They are sort of the sane ones that can just be like, yeah, <laughs> let's calm this down, lads. Let's win a game. So the only the last thing I'll say about this is the only slight worry for Scotland could be they played Japan last on the 13th yeah. of October. And as you said, there's no telling what, you know, hopefully the squad is still intact. Yes. Although, and and which, even with a squad that isn't necessarily massively intact, they should still beat Japan. However, you know, Japan are at home, big mm. event. Yeah. And, and, well, and Scotland have had some fucking minging results on the road when they've been a little bit depleted, haven't they? Uh, the USA, for example, not so long ago. Yeah, whereas Ireland, you know, you look at them and you think they'll have Scotland up first and then it's Scotland, uh, then if they beat Scotland, if they beat Japan and Russia, 
they can go into that Samoa game at the end going, we're fine lads, we've qualified. This is just about winning the pool or not. So let's let's move off pool A. So we think pool A is going to be Ireland in first. Uh, yes. And Scotland in second fairly convincingly. I do indeed. Okay, so that puts Ireland into quarterfinal four and Scotland into quarterfinal two. Let's look at Pool B. Let's. New Zealand, South, South Africa, Africa. poor, poor, poor Italy, uh, poor, yeah. poor, poor yeah. Namibia, and oh, pray for, for Canada, will you please? The physical pulverizing that those three teams are going to take. I mean, yeah, it, Italy must just be thinking for fuck's sake you know and i mean who is worse canada or or namibia i genuinely don't know i think namibia but i don't know but i think namibia namibia is a namibia funny certainly one. have less player like less players that you've heard of than canada. i mean and namibia's kind of futures on the line i think in this because mm. world rugby put a lot of money into namibia trying to keep the program going because they see it as a good place to get you know another solid tier two type nation out of yeah and, and it's, it's not gone that well it's historically produced a lot of great rugby players the problem is that historically they've all then gone and played for south africa yeah, and then on top of it, there's a constant, never-ending corruption infighting at board level in the Namibian rugby. Yeah, because was it, was it before the last World Cup when their coach left three days before, and that's when Phil Davis got the job? It absolutely was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so also... a combination of sli- so in a way it's weird because there's there's rumours that they're going to lose their sponsors after this World Cup if it's a complete humiliation, and actually genuinely, which will be well, sad. It's it may be. A bit like Canada, if they didn't qualify, it basically yeah. it could be the end. Yeah, Namibia basically are also the only team that hasn't even bothered to properly reveal their kit yet. Mm. Um, which, and if you want evidence of how Namibia, how badly organised and shambolic the Namibian Rugby Union is, um, the Namibian Rugby Union hasn't tweeted since 2015. <laughs> <laughs> that is ace. It's I like mean, that. there, there are literally it. loads of people in the squad who all down a full-time <clears> job, <throat> you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you look at the players who are in that Namibia squad and they are predominantly playing for the Veltvicious, which is the uh, the Curry Cup side that Namibia enter into the Curry Cup. Um, and, you know, a very few... There's somebody playing in Romania. <clears throat> There's somebody playing for the Bowling Cavaliers in the Curry Cup. There's mm. a couple of people playing. There's one guy playing for Bayonne. Obviously, there's Leslie Klim at the Ospreys, but he hasn't actually played for us yet. And Janko Venter, who plays for Jersey. It's like they are extremely, you know, they're not they, they Uruguay. They are extremely not right Uruguay level. for a hiding, basically. And that's yeah. what's going to They're not Uruguay level, but they are in a fucking pool with South Africa and New Zealand, which... Speaking I mean, of which, but, South Africa and New Zealand is the opening game of this pool on I, what I'm what is definitely the new Super Saturday, the twenty first of September. Yes, which is the first. Which and really, that, this is when the tournament really gets going. You've got um, Australia, Fiji yeah. at quarter to six in the morning, France, Argentina at quarter past eight in the morning, and then New Zealand versus South Africa, and then and then you can have you can have your lunch 11, then. Baby. 
You can have your lunch after that. <clears throat> I'm very excited the rest of your day. Oh, I mean, just imagine. Like, that's the... Like, I'm not looking forward to getting up at 5.45 for Australia-Fiji, don't get me wrong. It, However, the fact that the whole World Cup thing for the day will effectively be done and dusted by sort of, you know, one, two o'clock at the latest, and then you can go and enjoy the rest of your Saturday yeah. and not get, get grief get from your significant down Home other. Depot, but have a big Saturday. Exactly, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out in the garden, do some do some pottering about, you know. Yeah, it's it is good. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It also means that like I can watch some games before I go to work and things like that. Well, I'll be covering oh. some games before I go to work someday. <sighs> You're going to be in tip-top shape after a, especially on the 25th when I when I when I have Fiji Uruguay big game. At big old past game. six in the morning. Oh. Uh, anyway, that's pool day. We're coming on to that. <clears throat> Yeah, it's I mean, hard. To, it's Italy. Don't I mean? Let's be honest. You know, would you like to look and know know what the odds are for? Um, give us some odds, Josh. New Zealand, New Zealand to South, New Zealand and South Africa to qualify is one to fifty. So if you put your fifty pounds on, you'll get fifty one pounds back. <laughs> uh, and then it goes New Zealand, Italy at twenty to one, which is a honestly, genuinely, insanely harsh odds because there's no fucking way um south africa and italy 150 to 1 everything else is 500 to 1 um new zealand finishing first south africa second is 3 to 10 south africa second new zealand's uh south africa first new zealand second is 5 to 2 so yeah good we want to watch where this is going i mean i i uh did you see Italy versus England on Friday? Did you bother with that? Uh, no, I was listening to it in the car. I mean, uh, Italy were... Well, for about 10 minutes, they looked okay. And then as soon as England put the power on, they just looked haunted. Conor O'Shea looked wounded inside by the end of it. Because I think he just was looking at it and going, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Parise is playing his fifth World Cup, don't forget, joining Brian Lima. Uh, yeah. In the ranks, and he will be starting because he didn't play on Friday. The arguments we made: Did they look any better? Not really. Negri's a good player. Negri's a fucking He's big a hard player. lad. Big yeah. hard lad. That's the thing. They've got some big hard lads, but they just don't have nearly enough big hard lads. And I mean, I do hope that actually, if there's one player that he is already an icon and a legend in my eyes, but if there's one young player I'd like to light up this World Cup, it is of course our Lord and Saviour, Matteo you yeah. know, just score like seven tries against Namibia and eight against Canada, and I'll be happy. That's all I'm asking. It's a scrum half they're really fucking struggling with. Oh, mate, it's an absolute... Tito Tobaldi, I think, fast. is their first choice now, isn't he? Oof, I mean, that's no place to be in, is it? He was shit when he was playing for the Ospreys like seven years ago. It's like fucking drunk plenty of fish choice, that is. <laughs> um and this Callum Braley's come out of uh, nowhere, who can't apparently can't speak Italian very well. Good. I mean, I think they're just desperate, aren't they? Everyone's desperate to have a scrum off from Gloucester that has devious qualification. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's just the thing now, it's isn't it? It's basically <laughs> the thing, yeah. It's, it's, it's replaced craft beer and a quinoa <laughs> the thing to have. <laughs> the... Um, yeah, and of course I forgot to mention, of course, that Mauro Bergamasco played in five World Cups as well. Yes, he did. Um, 
South Africa. Yeah. Whisper it. Well, nobody's whispering it, really. There's people starting to think. I think people have been a little bit too overconfident about South Africa, myself. I think they're going to cause some damage, but I I think there's... um... I think they're going all the way. I think they're going to the final. Well, hold that thought. Yeah. But the bottom line is is they do have an incredibly strong squad who look to be coming together quite nicely. They have what must be considered the most comically good staple of scrum halves that possibly the World Cup has ever seen. Like, name me three better scrum halves than Faf de Klerk, Kobus Reinach and Herschel Jantis. Like, and any one of those three would probably be starting for one of the other teams in this and tournament. And interestingly, South Africa have always won a World Cup when they've got an outstanding scrum half. Mm-hmm. And they've got three. Think about I mean, they had other outstanding bits as well. But actually, 2007, they mm. weren't that outstanding, but Furry Dupree fucking was. Really was, fucking yeah. exceptional. He made the whole team tick, really. And yeah, they've actually and got a better... Got I think they've got a better... They've definitely got a better backline than they had then. Than in oh, yeah, 100 And they're a big unit. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. They're definitely going to be in there, aren't they? They should be very disappointed if they don't get into the last four, at least, shouldn't they? But we'll map it through in a minute. Yeah, but, um, I think... Yeah, but it's it's... It's definitely a team that is strong in every area. And of course, really. because they're in this group, they will avoid New Zealand, won't they? As we go into the yeah, they won't. They won't have. They, yeah, they won't have to meet New Zealand again until the final, I believe. So, so New Zealand, South Africa, the opening game on Saturday of this group. Which way mm-hmm. are we going? Uh, I'd still go New Zealand. I think. As much as I just think, as much as. New Zealand have been talked down relentlessly by over you the last mostly. Couple of months. By me mostly. <laughs> but in the last couple in the last couple of weeks they've looked like they've just gone, Can we stop fucking about now, please, Lance? Didn't they and... play with fourteen for the last twenty minutes of that Tonga game just as an exercise? Yeah, just a just serious try. Like, we'll just literally try. send somebody yeah. off. And they lost that section seven nil. So that yeah, might be did. a fucking so lesson the, to you. Yeah, you fucking hubristic bastard. Everyone else. I mean, yeah, they did win 92-7, but still. Never mind that. I'm focusing... <laughs> we're, we're going... We're in, on the granularity level, we're only focusing on that part of the game. Damn right. Which they lost through hubris. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. The shame. Anyway, so yeah, I reckon South Af- New Zealand are winning that game and they're winning the pool. Okay, so that means that South Africa will batter everybody else, so that will be quite close. I suppose Namibia, Canada... Is an interesting game. It's the last game of the group. On the face of it, they're going to be so fucking pumped for that game, both teams, aren't they? Yeah. Because that will be yeah. what they're taking home with them, won't it, the result from that game? Yeah, because realistically, you know, Italy are extreme, you know, unless Italy shit the bed, 
which we don't rule it out. Um, there's the potential for, you know, if Italy finished third, that's guaranteed qualification for the next Rugby World Cup. Um, mm. So they've literally got nothing to play for. At they all. look a bit demoralised to me, Italy. Yeah. I mean, I've only got off that one game I watched of the weekend, but they do look kind of like it's they just look, all a bit too much, you know. I suppose, but going, you know, coming over to England. Every game, every game of them I've watched so far in these warm-ups, they look like they're just like, must we? <laughs> and, and they know O'Shea's going down at the end. There's rumours of him going to sail, isn't there, something? Bizarre. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rob Howley going to Italy. That'll cheer him up. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what we need to solve uh, our demoralisation crisis is a bloke who just like, rug, looks slightly baffled and chaos. stares into space yeah. for no particular reason most of the time. Um, yeah, so let's... So we'll see what happens in Namibia, Canada. I still think Canada should have mm-hmm. more than Namibia have, but I don't know. We'll see. Can't, the, <clears throat> Canada have got their secret unweapon Kingsley Jones coaching them, so I rule That's absolutely true. nothing out. <laughs> But, but negative or positive, nothing can be yeah, rolled out. I mean, it's 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 the big, it's the Phil Davis versus Kingsley Jones failed Welsh regional rugby directors of rugby off in in Pool B for for bragging rights, I guess. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Yes, yes. The net, the kings of network, the king of networking versus the king of <laughs> I got this job at three days' notice because that's how in yeah. demand I was, and- by the way. And absolutely nobody else has come to get me since. Yes, here I am, living yeah. off the best steak you can imagine in Namibia. To be fair. So there you go. We think it's New Zealand in first, South Africa in second, which gives, mm-hmm. which actually completes two quarterfinal lineups now, which we'll come back to later on. That means quarterfinal yes. two is New Zealand versus Scotland. Mm-hmm. And uh, quarterfinal four is Ireland versus South Africa. Ooh. Hold that thought. Oh. Going back to the pools. Pool C contains yes. England, France, yes. Yes. Argentina, yes. the US of A, and yes. Tonga. You see, at least Japan can comfort themselves that they won't be the first team to go out of their own World Cup at the group stages, will they? That's very true. Yeah, yeah. They can say, yeah, yeah. I know we did, but you know, it, we weren't lining. the first, were we? We weren't the first. England, France, Argentina, USA, Tonga. The opening game, as we've already mentioned, is France, Argentina, which I think is going to go some way to kind of set in the tone for the rest of that group. I think. I think it is. You know, it, it's will Argentina get their shit together? As, to be fair, they usually do by World Cup time. It means a lot to them, doesn't it? They are quite pumped. Yeah. Equally. France look better in the last month than they have in the last five they years. They look a lot fitter. Yeah. They look like they will keep on fucking going. And they look organised and they already had really talented players and some fucking monsters. If those monsters are now in a condition where they don't fucking basically run out of puff after 40 minutes, hmm. this could be a very, very interesting pool. A very interest, a very attritional pool, but a very interesting one. I was gen about twelve months ago. I was, in fact, no, probably <clears throat> six. Yeah, six months ago. Six, I was as an England fan. I was worried about this pool. Having watched the warm ups again, caveat: they're only warm ups. However, I think more than at any other time in the last month, England just looks so fucking powerful. Yeah, that. 
going back to the, as a, as you know, just to do a comparison with Scotland because we were talking about it before. And I know that Scotland, you know, scared the shit out of England only six months ago, but I just, I think England look a bit different now. I just think that consistent ability, it's like I've said this before, like the Pete Sampras serve when he was in the shit, you know, there is something about just mm. being able to do that with, and the bench, I mean, on, fr- on Friday, who was it? It was the pundit on Friday who said that England's bench is the best in world rugby right now. I was like, yeah, that's bollocks. However, yeah. It is, it is a very, very, very powerful bench when it's empty. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that's going to be enough to to, to get them through this group on top, actually. I think that I think France It should gonna, be enough to win the pool, yeah. I, I think agree. that France are going to beat Argentina in that first game. And I think it'll be quite a shitty performance as well, but they'll still do it. I think that it's very much uh the sort of it's just going to be a pool where there's very little given. Well, it depends, actually. Like, does does Argentina's apparent forgetting how to both defend and be forwards um, carry on to the World Cup? Because if Argentina turn up with the fucking powder puff pack that they brought to the Rugby Championship, I mean, they're going to get run the fuck over. It's going to be bad. But I don't think that's... I, surely that can't happen. And even the Haguaras who look quite good up until in that big run in the Super Rugby, when they came up against a Crusaders-like team, and I'll be honest, England yeah. look a little bit like a Crusaders-like team at the minute, style-wise. Yeah. They yeah. really did come undone. They really did. And it's... It just doesn't... They don't look like the Argentina you expect them to be, which is hard to beat. They look... They look pretty now. But they don't look hard. They look easy. They're thirty like, seconds away from just fucking everything up and giving possession away. And if you keep doing that, yeah. you just in, in this group, you're just going to lose. I think even against um, the likes of France. And the, I mean, you look at 07 when they did so well. It was a kind of unknown factor about that, wasn't there? Mm. And I don't think. And they haven't got. And, and the magic they had at ten then with Hernandez just isn't. It's just and not there. The, you it? know, and last you know in the last tournament where everyone's expecting them to be this really hard physical team and then they turned up with the likes of Cordero mm. and, and, off, yeah, fucking, course, yeah. and him off and basically just played porno rugby was great but again nobody's going to be surprised by that anymore mm. and it seems like they don't have the pack that they had five uh, four years ago on which to build that platform anymore and I just don't really it's a decent pack, I think. It's just not... It's a fine, it's, it's it's just, a fine it's pack fine, on paper, yeah. but they just don't look like they're playing well. They always just look so very tired. Or, yeah, no, and... let me clarify that. They look like they get tired quickly. It looks like after mm. about half an hour, they're a bit like, oh. And yeah, then they start doing that issue, shit. But the, 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 and the Sanchez in particular just starts doing daft shit because it's not going well for them. Mm. And that's been the pattern, really, for the past two or three years. So unless something really fundamentally changes, I can't see them doing much here. No. Would you like to know the odds this time around? Of course we would. Uh, England and France are 8-13. to 13. Um, I mean, betting on England is always completely skewed by the idiot English public, but yeah. Um, yeah, England-Argentina is 7-5, to five. France and Argentina are 14-1. to one. Um, And any other combination is... 200, 400, and 500 to 1. England 1 and 2 is 11. England, France 1 and 2 is 11 to 10. Uh, France, England 1 and 2 is 11 to 2. So it seems that the bookies think that it's more likely that 
England and Argentina will get through than it is that France will win the pool with England in second. And I mean, I don't think that's the case, but I do think it's a pretty clean cut. You know, what looked like quite a dicey pool six months ago now looks like a very straightforward one. a combination of Argentina falling off, France tightening up a bit, and England just looking a bit better, warm-up game, caveat aside. But I do think there's the way that they're moving through their first phase patterns look consistently excellent, consistently excellent at the minute. I mean, I know that good defences don't get caught out by that, but it shows that they're organised. I've, I'd, I'm, the, the pack, I think, largely picks itself if everybody stays fit, so I'm not particularly yeah. worried about that. Marla coming back has been a boost. I think that still not sure how he's going to go in the... Youngs is going to start, obviously. I'm still not sure how to tell 10, 12, 13 works out. Having said that, I'm not concerned whichever one he picks. Yeah, it, there's options. Well, unless he picks Piers Francis, in which I, case... I don't know. If, bit... he went, if he went Farrell Francis or somebody, or Ford Francis and... Well, what you're looking at, really? I mean, it's Ford and Farrell. Basically, Farrell and Farrell. As long as Farrell and Tuilagi are in there somewhere, you're fine. Yeah, I would even that worry if Slade was in there. And Joe, yeah. you know, and Joseph is. I'm just not that worried. Yeah, this England have got depth in that position that they haven't had for a very long time. I think the only I'm co- not quite as convinced as their depth on the wing. No, I think Cocker. Yeah, because Noel's still injured, isn't he? We're not sure how fit yes. he's going to be. And uh, there's talk that he might not even be fit until the knockout stages. We've got no idea how McConaughey's going to go. It could be fucking amazing <laughs> if he plays, or it could not. Yeah, we know what Cocker um, Singer offers, and that's both a good and a bad thing because he's not exactly great going backwards. Yeah, realistically, it's going. You know, if I was starting an England back three tomorrow, I would be starting Johnny May, Elliot Daly, and Anthony Watson in a fucking heartbeat mm. over any of the other options. You know, I've fucking a cigarette on the bench to come on and be a big lad. If Jack Nell's fit, obviously that changes the complexion of things a bit, but it doesn't yeah. look like he is. So I'm worried yeah. a bit. But the only thing that's really a big question mark for me is fullback, really. Whisper mm. it, but I kind of wish we had Mike Brown there. He wouldn't he had a good, he had a good mis- season he last season. He wouldn't fucking make the mistakes he, that he's Daly solid was as fuck, and we've got enough... Arguably, we've got enough go forward and a bit of magic because May's playing very well. We've got a couple yeah. of singles come off the bench. Watson's fit again. You know, Manu's got a bit of X Factor. I mean, I'd, yeah, so, well, he's not there though, so we're nothing going to do about it. But, no. Um, yeah, so I'm not particularly overly, overly concerned. I think mm. France are the same. They've got plenty of options they can choose from, and their pack looks fit, hard and fit. Yeah, because their pack has always been hard. Their pack has not always been. Is there an issue? Yeah, I mean, it could be the sort of the case of you know the impact player looking good, but is there a bit of a controversy brewing regarding whether Girardo is still the best hooker in France and should be starting? I know he's the captain from but... the warm-ups. The answer is probably Chat. no, because because Monsieur Chat looks fucking Monsieur Chat looks magnificent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you know they they've got a a pack of bastards as you'd expect. They've only got two locks, which and one of them is suspended, which is there is that. Yeah, there's got there's always got to be that bit of French. You know, there are players that can play and but they can push it to rear into the exactly. <laughs> and even Larue could play there if he needed Larue, to. Larue, I see that's true. Yeah, Larue's ahead of it. Yeah, and I love it to rear. He's horrible in the yeah. in the best possible way. He's fucking horrible. Mm. Equally, only picked three centres, um, and one of them is Vakatawa. Peno can play centre, though, don't forget. 
He can, yeah. And it, it, arguably he should. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> arguably he should. He should have had a bucket tower. But there's a lot of versatility in that back line, I think. And also there's a lot... You look at the teams that they all play for in that back line, and it's Claremont, Toulouse, Claremont, Racing, Toulouse, Toulouse, Claremont, Claremont, Toulouse, Toulouse. You know, these lads are not fucking about, you know. My, <laughs> only, worry, my only worry for them is and remains Camille Lopez. Because he, yeah, he's well, a bit like Nicolas Sanchez. You can't read, you know, there's not, he's, he's, he's better at the minute than Nicolas Sanchez is playing, but you can't be absolutely confident that he's going to run a, yeah, a tournament well I for would. you. Well, I think it depends who they, they're going to presumably start DuPont. Yes. Because you Yeah, yeah, I think so. To. I think that's pretty much And in that situation, now, yeah. I would 100% be starting Tamak ahead of Cami Lopez because. You know what you're going to get with Lopez, and like you say, that is inconsistency. Sometimes he's a game winner, sometimes he's a fucking shambles. But then the worry then for them is, and Tamat comes with all that lack of experience. <clears throat> and you've got two inexperienced, but you've got two inexperienced players who won the top fourteen playing alongside each other at club level. Yeah, and they'll also not give a fuck, and that yeah. might work. That that might be a exactly. very good thing. I- I feel like this France team needs a little bit of not giving a fuck, to be honest. Like a bit of youthful yeah. insouciance. Good word. Yeah, well, I was trying so, to think of which word. Let us then decide. We mm. think, I think, do you agree, it will be England-France first and second in this? Oh, a million percent, yes. Because the other thing about England as well is that, and not, no disrespect to the other teams in the, in the group, England get to play Tonga in the USA before they have to take anybody beefy. Mm. So in a way, and I'm not saying that it's the same as a warm-up because they're going to be fired up to fuck but It basically teams. is. But it, it is a way to ease your way into the tournament, isn't it? Let's be honest. And yeah. I think that's going to work in England's favour as well. So, Yeah, so I think there's, there's very little doubt in my so mind that England pool is going to... So then we move on to Pool D. Yes. Where there is a welcome in the, the hillsides pool. waiting for somebody. The uh, pool, the pool of, of Wales with all with two of the teams that they keep doing really shit against. Not really. I mean, there's there's more made yeah. of the Fiji. There's more made of the Fiji problem than is actually a reality. There's like one loss and one draw in about fifty years against them, isn't there? However, yeah, it's you know, as a Welsh fan looking at it, and you know, as just somebody looking at it anyway. I think, you know, Wales should win this pool. Australia played one good game against the All Blacks, and that has been it for them this year. And you talk about underpowered. Probably the most yeah. powerful person in that squad plays at centre, which is worrying. Yeah, he's a big lad. But... Oh, he's a good player as well. But it is worrying <laughs> having... when he looks like your, big, he looks like your best ball yeah. carrier, you know. And having Pocock and Hooper back is great for Australia, but I just think Wales should be too organised streetwise and physical for them. What probably won't happen is that Wales will be too organised streetwise and physical for them (laughs) and they'll get sucked into playing Australia's game, as they usually do and probably lose. However, yeah, I mean, it all depends on, you know, I don't like, I'm I'm not in love with the match schedule, if I'm honest. Because Wales have got Georgia first, haven't they, on the Monday... Yeah, Australia play Fiji on the on the Super Saturday. Psychotically pumped up Georgia team on Monday, 
Um, but I don't think that's, that's not going to be a problem for Wales in this day. It age. shouldn't be, but you never know with Wales. Um, I, I'm at least sort of relieved that you know with a, and it's not a very long turnaround as well. You know, it's Monday the twenty third. Wales are playing Georgia, and then on the Sunday they're playing Australia. That is a fucking quick turnaround from mm. that, and that is the thing that I worry Australia about. Australia get a full eight days, don't they? After yeah, Fiji. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Did that... Australia lose to Fiji? Absolutely. I think it's possible the way they're playing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Fiji. Have said that of... Fiji have not been able to employ defence coach because they got no fucking money? So. <laughs> no, but Fiji have at times looked irresistible in their warm-ups and other times not. Um, but I do think that they are the probably the wild card of the World Cup, if not this group, in that they are a team that I genuinely think they they could do something quite interesting in this tournament. But it will, as you say, it depends on on if they can defend and if they can, you know, actually do, they can provide a platform for their incredibly exciting players, which, you know, we all know they have got fucking shitloads of them all over the bloody place. And they must, you know, they must be fucking delighted, to be honest, to be playing Wales because Wales are just like, you know, they, they never play sensibly in any kind of way <laughs> it's like Wales are a very good team when they want to be but quite often they can't be bothered or they don't they they get in their own heads about it and my worry for Wales is I, that's, I'm worried about this but I'm, I'm officially a little bit worried about Wales at this World you, Cup now you're always quite worried but um, I know my worry is is that there's a potential against Australia and Fiji to find yourself a few scores behind. And I think that's where yeah, I yeah, worry yeah. with Wales in that where I don't, I don't know how many high scoring encounters they're going to be, how many high scoring performances for themselves they're going to be responsible for against big opposition. And the other thing is as well is that Wales haven't, sorry to bring this up, but Wales haven't beaten the Southern Hemisphere team in the past two world in since two thousand and seven, I don't think. Uh not at a World Cup. No. That's what I mean, I mean in a World Cup, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's definitely you know as much as I've talked a lot of warm ups don't matter, and I do still believe that, you know, Wales's prep has not been ideal because they've lost the one player that makes everything tick. Yeah. Well just... the two players there's no Falatau, there's no you know, Anscombe, those are both fucking massive losses and there's been tried to be sort of brushed over how massive those losses are, but they're the sort of losses that are, you know, could be pretty terminal to a team like Wales because, you know, with all great respect to Dan Bigger, Wales have looked pretty fucking short of ideas with him on the field. They actually looked, when they had the ball in hand, Patchell seemed to be getting going much better in that first Absolutely. half on Saturday actually he did seem to you know and he's he's forever bringing people in he's very vocal yeah. I know Bigger's very vocal but he's vocal in a different way to Bigger he yeah. does seem to organize he seems to I don't know breed a bit of confidence with his communication a bit more than Bigger, <clears throat> Bigger does I think. Yeah. but um the, I'd be sta- I'd be starting him against Georgia I think you've got to give it a go haven't you the the other thing is yeah. that 
one thing we didn't learn from the warm-ups really is that well, what what did we learn is that we didn't learn anything new because actually Wales were exactly as you'd expect them to be. When they yeah. got, got up to kind of ramming speed, they were competent with the ball in hand. Kicking game was all right. Defended okay, relatively efficient. Yeah. You know, they looked neat. When they had the ball against Ireland, they looked neat and tidy. They went left, they went left, they went right. Mm. There was not, But there was nothing incisive about it in particular. No, there wasn't I think the sense that's the that, as you that it, say, they could score from anywhere. You're not seeing anything can't. new than what you saw. I know they won a Grand Slam, so it's mad. So it's obviously it can be successful, but I just don't, uh, you know, the worry is, is that that is what it is. So if mm. they go to, they, they do, they go two tries behind against Fiji, start to panic, you know, who knows. Happy yeah, Parks is playing better yeah. than he did before, though. I think that's probably a good yes, sign. Yes, he's, he's perked himself up a little bit. Um, the, well, my, my, my big worry is John Davis. Right, because he has looked shit in all every game that he's played. He has looked bad. You know, he was hideously badly positioned for Ireland's first try on the weekend. He's just not like it seems like an age since he made anything resembling a break. It's, I just think, you know, he's on his day. He's the best thirteen in the world, but he's absolutely not on his day at the moment. And I just wonder what what and who's, Wales and who's do. The, who's the centre of choice afterwards? Owen Watkin. Well, yeah, it'll be Owen Watkin playing thirteen, which is not his natural position, or maybe even well, we like Owen Watkin, don't we? But you don't go, oh yeah, that's a World Cup choice, isn't it? Yeah, Watkin playing a lad who's a twelve, a thirteen in a World Cup game. I mean, you know, this, we're not into that. We're not. It's not two thousand and fifteen. Eh? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm just. I, the, for me, the the lack of any kind of incisiveness in Wales' centre partnerships is the issue, I think, that that could probably hold them back from an attacking game point of view. The cat is objecting to yeah, all does, this Wales thinks, talk. He thinks that Hardy Parks is a perfectly respectable centre and that he could easily win Wales the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, Testify, yeah. Solly. Testify. So we think. Um, so having said all yeah. that, though, who's topping this group then? <laughs> having said that, all of this, um, putting my head above heart for a minute, Wales should win this group. I think they'll be too organised. I think that's the thing. And a they, bit they're too the powerful. Team, they're the only team in this group that is a a balanced rugby team. You know, yeah. Australia could absolutely like string it together and as they did in 2015 to be fair and come out of nowhere and win and you know win the pool and get all the way to the final but you know there's there's only so many times that they can pull that particular rabbit out of the hat I think and they don't look like doing it at the moment certainly they certainly don't look like they've got a scrum which they did in 2015 Mm. so yeah, I would be I would be a little concerned if I was an Australia fan what Wales although to be honest with you, Wales' scrums look shit as well. So Well it was alright for a bit on Saturday and then it wasn't. It all went very yeah. Wales scrum after a while. But again there's something yeah. about that last twenty five minutes was like, look, come on lads, just let's just let's we'll, just you know, we're treading water here, let's just get on with it. Get out of here. Yeah. I don't like Ireland anyway. So we think that um Wales will be first in that one and Australia will be second. We're probably going to be horrendously wrong, but this is our prediction. I mean, I think the Wales are going to go out in the group stages, but we're putting a logical head on it. Wales should win that pool. I think 
yeah, even with the kind of caveats of how Wales can be and how Australia can be, I think everyone else is just a bit too disorganised at the minute. So what that leaves us with is quarterfinal number one, England versus mm. Australia at the Oita Stadium in the Oita Prefecture on Saturday the 19th of October. Quarterfinal two, New Zealand versus Scotland in Tokyo on the 19th of October the same day. The day after, what a weekend this will be, by the way. Quarterfinal mm-hmm. three, Wales versus France. Now you've got to fancy that, haven't you? Yeah. We'll leave that, we'll leave that for now. Quarterfinal four is <laughs> Ireland. Depends how many minutes we get to play for. And then basically both all the quarterfinals are all in two stadiums. So Wales France yeah. is in the Oita prefecture again. And then Ireland versus South Africa is quarterfinal four in Tokyo. So that brings us to the end of part one. So we will speak to you all soon for part two when we talk about the quarterfinals, the semis and the final and how no doubt wrong we are. Absolutely. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.